We all have questions about faith, life, and God. This summer at Bellwether, our series is Ask Anything. We want to take your questions and try to give you answers. So join us on a Sunday morning and ask anything, and we'll look into God's Word to find the answer. together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the stories that are being lived out in this room right now. I pray that by our lives that we would sing, even if you haven't given us the gift of actually like singing, but that we would live our lives in joy and in song and people would see us and they would say, what do they have? Or I want what they got. Or I want to know their story. And then we tell them it's not even our story, it's your story. But that our lives have been caught up in your story. And that you've given us a purpose. And that we know that our place, even if we don't like our place, you have a purpose for us in the here and now that ties in to your eternal story about bringing salvation to the ends of the earth until you return and the heavens and the earth are united and we live together but more importantly we live with you forever and ever that is our story I pray these people and this church bellwether would know that story and that you would give life in our story by Jesus Christ thank you for this time we give it to you in Jesus name amen y'all can have a seat and if you would um, we good there bro okay um, if we uh, could turn our Bibles to First Peter, uh, we'll read it in just a minute, but First uh, Peter, which is towards the back of your Bible, First Peter chapter 2, it's going to be our main passage, but I'll highlight some other scripture as well. So, if you've been coming, you know we're in the summer series that we call Ask Anything, that we have taken questions that y'all have given us, and we are doing our best to wrestle with these questions, look into God's Word, and provide y'all with answers, because God's Word does give us answers. And this particular question I chose to wrestle with today, uh, because it ties in with the past week, and the question is, uh, how do we, as Christians, live in America today as our nation is losing its Christian heritage. So that was the question uh, that was given to me. Uh, Hope all of y'all had a great 4th of July. Uh, We celebrate our freedom. We celebrate our freedom today, the freedom to worship. Uh, But many people, uh, I believe, uh, ask this question, uh, and I think that uh, uh, if you listen to maybe some talk radio or TV, you might hear some semblance of this. Uh, But at least as pastor, this is a question that has been posed to me uh, in the last couple years uh, since I've been a pastor, and so I'm glad that it was asked today that we can try uh, to wrestle with it. Now, I want to read a quote 
Hobby Lobby's been in the news a lot this week. I don't know if you're tracking with that, but Hobby Lobby's been in the news. This is from the uh, president of Hobby Lobby, Steve Green. Hobby Lobby is actually financing and building a museum for the study, for the, uh, uh, the learning of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Uh, I think it's even near the Smithsonian. I'm, I'm not sure, uh, which I support. I, I think that's great. And in an interview I read with him, he said, and this was the most succinct uh, statement of why they are doing this. Again, Steve Green, president of Hobby Lobby, he said, This nation is in danger because of its ignorance of what God has taught. We need to know it. And if we don't know it, our future is scary. Okay? Agree with the quote. Agree with what he's saying. Agree with what they are doing. So just be clear about that. However, I also believe that Christendom is over. Now, some of you are like, well, what are you talking about Christendom? Christendom is the, the time, and it's lasted a couple hundred years, where like Chris, Christian principles and teachings have been uh, embedded in the culture and society. give you a couple examples. One would just be the, the Pledge of Allegiance, which we continue to say, but we really honored, or we used to, not as much now, the one nation under God. Uh, now it is uh, a bit frowned upon. Another example, we still do this. I predict it will be, uh, it will be changed in, uh, in future years. But our presidents place their hand on the Bible, which I, I think is great as a Bible-believing Christian. But, you know, I've heard, you know, flag, well, why is it the Bible? And why not, you know, you know some other book or, you know, ro- I've even heard rotating it or, you know, maybe stacking a couple books. I mean, you know, you just get crazy notions now of people wanting to be opposed to uh, Christianity. But right now, you know, our president puts their hand uh, on the Bible. Or prayer in public places. Uh, I've caught flack. I'm not going to stop, but... I've caught flack for praying in a public place and closing with in Jesus' name. I've even gotten asked to say, hey, can you kind of like, you know, tweak your prayers, you know, to make it a bit more, uh, you know, all-encompassing, you know, universal. And I've said, I was like, look, brother, you know, I'm a, um, you know, I'm a Christian pastor with the emphasis being on Christian here. And so, you know, as I pray, I'm going to close in Jesus' name. And, you know, if you want some, I didn't say this, but, you know, I thought this. But, you know, if you want some kind of amorphous prayer, you know, I mean, I don't know, get a professor of religion. At, I won't name a school. I won't do that. But, you know, you could, you could do that. Uh, but you get more and more, I believe, you know, flack for, you know, publicly expressing uh, our faith. And so I also believe this notion of Christendom, and I'm, I'm not the only one saying this, a lot of preachers, teachers, where Christian principles, you know, are kind of embedded in the culture that it's over. And I don't think it's coming back. And I actually think that, and y'all can disagree with me, but if you think about general big picture America, Americana, that it's only because of a few conservative pockets, and you could argue Jackson, Mississippi might be one of them, but definitely more so in the Bible Belt. I mean, we are definitely on our way to, like, Canada and Europe, and, and that is where our culture is headed, I believe. And again, if not for you know, certain pockets, we would already be there. So, now then, this begs two questions, I believe. One is, well, has our nation really ever truly been Christian? And the second one, well, how do we live today 
if all this is going on. And, and I think it is. First, has our nation ever truly been Christian? The answer is yes and no. You're like, that's about as clear as the Mississippi River. Well, let me try to help you out here, okay? Yes, it has been. You know, it was founded. Give you like a couple-minute history lesson. Please don't check out on me. This is actually important. I'm fascinated by this stuff, so let me just indulge me for a minute. Brief history lesson. Puritans, Puritans. Puritans would be Christians, okay? Uh, Devout Christians. Uh, Actually, they wrote some great stuff on the Bible and on Christianity. They helped found this nation in the 1600s. A famous sermon, uh, actually one of the most famous sermons in all of church history, uh, was preached on the deck of a ship right before it was uh, sailing into what would be Massachusetts. And this preacher called this new place, the new world, which would be America. He quoted Christ on the Sermon on the Mount, and we preached on this a couple weeks ago. Matthew five fourteen. it won't be up on the screen, just hear me out, that we would be a city on a hill, and this nation would be a light to the world. And the Puritans were stressing that America would be like the new Israel, God's country, God's place. God's hand was upon the nation. And so ever since then, uh, many people, myself included, uh, at some points have believed that you know, God's hand was on this nation. I think God's hand is in history, and he works. But even politicians and presidents have used the same statement, city on a hill, America is a light to the world. Uh, two, I will mention, two of different parties. One, uh, John F. Kennedy, during his presidency, called America a city on a hill and to be a light to the world. Another, Ronald Reagan, said America was like a city on a hill, a light to the world. So there have definitely been these expressions of Christianity throughout our nation's history. And at the very beginning, I mean, it was founded by devout Christians. Remember I said yes and no. Uh, The no part, and what is interesting, if you really look, read, or study the beliefs of the founding fathers, they weren't Christian. Uh, They were more what you would call like a a general belief in God. Now, this is George Washington. Uh, Thomas Jefferson even cut out like uh, a lot of the Bible and said, this is my Bible. I'm going to take these parts out that I don't agree with. And it's known now as the Jeffersonian Bible. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, uh, actually, uh, they think that he, he never became a Christian. One of his best friends, and I've been fascinated by this friendship, was a guy named George Whitfield. Who actually, George Whitfield, the people in America in the 1700s knew his name more so than George Washington. He was this traveling preacher, evangelist. I mean, in that day and time, imagine, he would have like 30,000 people out in, in the fields listening to him preach. He was dear friends with Ben Franklin and tried his entire adult life to convert Ben Franklin. And Ben Franklin actually wrote a letter to him towards nearing his death saying, you know, I know you think you have failed in your attempts. And George Whitfield, the rest of his life, Ben Franklin died. He always really mourned that he was not converted to Christianity. I find this stuff fascinating. And, but, if, you know, we think today, well, we're just a, you know, a Christian nation. And it's a bit more complicated than that. So let's go today, you know, how we should live. Uh, I mean, I, I am a Christian. I know many of y'all 
uh, are Christians. I mean, I, I always hope every Sunday that there are people who are not Christians here because our goal, our purpose is to grow the faith and expand the kingdom. But as Christians, how should we live in the here and now? Uh, and again, I would argue that we're becoming less and less of a nation tied to Christian principles. How, how do we live? How should our kids live? So, we come to 1 Peter. 1 Peter 2, and I'm going to read verse 9 through 17. I think this is a fascinating passage. Peter's writing this. That would be Peter the disciple. That would be Peter who was one of the leaders of the church to a church in Rome and in the Roman Empire, which was hedonistic. If you don't know the meaning of that word, that means they partied a lot, had, you know, uh, you know did a lot of crazy things. Uh, they uh, were not of any faith at all except a belief that the emperor was God. Uh, not only that, but they were trying, the Roman Empire, to uh, kill the church. And they were killing Christians in ways that are too graphic for me to go into. And I say that because I've said them a a few times in the past and caught flack for it. So I'm not even going to go there, but they were bad deaths, okay? And here's Peter writing to the church in Rome. And look at what Peter says. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the emperor. So this is just one passage in a letter. And I always believe, you know, you have to take the whole context. But I think this is a, uh, a great word for us as believers who live in a place that is, I know we're in the Bible Belt, but generally non-Christian. Okay? And the reason I say this is the first thing Peter does is he stresses who we are. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We believe the priesthood of all believers, that all Christians are called. All Christians have gifts. All Christians are called to go, whether it's locally in the city or the community where we live or to the world. But he stresses that. He says, man, y'all are called. Y'all are chosen. I know that's a tricky word. I'm going to get into that in a second. You're God's people. You're God's children. He stresses that first. And I believe that what he's saying is your primary allegiance, our primary allegiance, is not to uh, a particular nation. Uh, It's not to even a particular place. It is to Christ and his place, which is the kingdom 
of God. So, I don't know if y'all do that, but like for me, I always say, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. Above everything else. So I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Honduras. I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in India. And that we will be living together forever for eternity. First and foremost, eternally, in the present, in the future, I'm a Christian. Then I'm an American. And I love my country. One of my greatest regrets is that I I did not serve in the military in some form or fashion. Love it. But it's not the priority. First Christian, second American. And I believe if we live first like that, and as an American we have the freedom to say and speak and do, but first Christian, it it totally kind of changes our our worldview of how we live today. I think that's what Peter was doing. He said, first, you don't live in the Roman Empire. First, you're a Christian. You're part of God's church. But then he goes on and he's saying, okay, you're exiles. That's a key word, verse 11. You're exiles. Exiles mean you're not yet home. So our home is, you know, we're home will be heaven. But you're you're exiles. But he's saying live in a way that people will see Christ. That's generally what I take from this passage. It says keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. I love that verse. They're saying be honorable. So when Gentiles, and that would be non-Christians, they see how you live, how you act, how you speak, uh, they will end up glorifying God. And that's what we want. I love verse 15. Peter said, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence Put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. He goes on, live as people who are free. We celebrated freedom. We throw out that word a lot. We are free. But first and foremost and above all, we're free. And and we talked about this as a worship team, preparing for worship, taking communion. Jesus Christ gave us freedom. Freedom that we wouldn't be in bondage of sin and of guilt as we took communion back there and as y'all would take communion. That's our ultimate freedom. Live as people who are free, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living servants of God. Then he closes, honor everyone. You know, I question that about myself. Do I honor everyone? Uh, Do I honor non-believers? Do I honor people who are of a different political persuasion? Do Do I give people honor? I literally thought about that this morning as I was doing my devotion. Do I see each person no matter where they are, what they've done, what they believe, as a child of God, or really made in the image of God, that you'll be adopted children of God when you receive Christ, but created in the image of God, and that God wants them to be saved, to come to know Christ. And then the last words in this passage, honor the emperor, the emperor that is putting Christians to death, the emperor who wants to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Peter says, give honor to the emperor. How should we live in the here and now? I, I always say this. I believe we as Christians should be like the best citizens of a community, of a city. I, I believe if you follow this passage, and, and there are others like it in Scripture, that when people see us, they say, man, what, what do they have? That they should say, man, hey, they got it figured out. Do they say that about us? I mean, I question myself, do they say that about me and how I live and how I speak? Because, see, when we have the 
serene confidence that God loves us, he's called us, as I prayed about before the sermon, that he has given us a purpose in this place, regardless of whether you like whether you live or not, and that we have a home for eternity, we can, we can leave from here, we can live our lives in this, and I, I, I love the phrase, I don't know who coined it, but just a serene confidence that is full of peace and joy, even when we're sad, and faith that God is going to work through all things. Now, we have, uh, sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes I don't do that. Sometimes, especially non-Christians, want to pick a fight. You know, not, not like a literal fight, but you know, they want to make a point. They want to get into a verbal joust. I don't know if you all have had experiences like this. And that is really one of the challenges living in this day and time. Because we also see things on the news, and we see things in culture that are very anti-Christian. So how should we react? Look, I always believe we, we take our stands, but I also believe sometimes we don't need to take the bait. And, you know, too often I've taken the bait. Let me use one personal story. You know, I have a, I have a cousin who is not a Christian, first cousin, not like, you know, way off, but, but close. I and mean, we were raised together. And now he is very much, as we would say, you know, in and of the world. Like he, he wants to be a famous uh, Hollywood actor, screenwriter, and he's, he's been all over. And he basically just believes, you know, look, everybody's good. Uh, everybody, you know, when they die, it's going to be like a Nirvana type, you know, not the band, but he probably thinks Nirvana, the band, is like Nirvana too. But, you know, that's, that's cool and all, but he's like, you know, it's just, you know, you're just kind of in a bliss. And, man, let's just, can't we all just get along? And, you know, you, know, you, you know, as a pastor, I mean, y'all are really hypocritical. So anyway, this... Uh, this good cousin whom I, you know, whom I love, or I struggle to love, or I pray to love, you know, he was uh, at the family lake house this week, and you know, he threw the bait in there again, and uh, and I've been better the last couple of years, but you know, at a point, you know, I could tell man, he was just trying to pick a a verbal fight about, you know, faith and belief and all this, and I said, man, you know, brother, you know, he's a cousin, I said. You know, your family, man, I love you. I want what's best. I, I said, I want you to get what you want uh, out of life. I said, but I do think, you know, you know we're not going to agree here. Um, I said, man, but I just want you to know I love you. Uh, man, I'm praying for you. And um, I, said, I just want you, I want you to know that. And he, he, there was this long pause. And if you know this cat, this guy, if you know this guy, he, uh, he, he very rarely, you know, pauses, you know, for a long period of time. I mean, he's always got something to say. And uh, this long pause, and he, you know, he didn't have a rebuttal. And, you know, I just felt at that moment, I mean, I wasn't even planning to use it in the message, but I was like, you know, it's a wonderful, just a very personal example of what this passage says, verse 15. By doing good, you should put to silence uh, the ignorance of foolish men. Uh, calling people foolish won't put them to silence, usually. But uh, when you say, you know, we may disagree, but, you know, you don't have to say it like this, but person made in the image of God, who God wants to save, and that he wants to use us. And we have to really be wise and really be discerning. That's why I believe you need the church. You need one another. You need teaching and, and really wrestling with these big questions uh, that are important for how we live today. Now, quickly, this ties into two other questions that have been asked. They won't be up on the screen, but I actually got a question. I think it's a great question. It said, how should a Christian uh, use social media Today, that ties into how we live in this world. 
I can answer that really quickly. Um, uh, limit your time on social media, okay? It's pretty easy. I say that because, uh, not because, you know, th- there's crazy stuff on there. I'm not posted by any of y'all, I know. But there is stuff that's on there, and you can really get envious. I mean, you can. I mean, this week, you know, pictures posted, and look, I'm guilty, you know, posting pictures, but you can be there, and like, man, that's, that's the life I want. You know, God, why didn't you give me that life? And just envy starts really growing and building your heart. And so, I, I mean, I really uh, advise, or my answer to that would be just limit your time on social media, but also use it uh, as a tool, uh, because it is a tool. And if it's seen as a tool, uh, one, to, uh, I mean, to share the word, uh, to show uh, glimpses of your life, you know, what Jesus has done, I think that, that's wonderful. But, I, I mean, I, I do, um, I, I just, I just you know, would say that you have to have some caution, because it can be, it can really impact our minds in, in a negative way. The other question, and this is a bigger question, you're like, how are you going to cover this in like five to seven minutes, but I'm going to try to, is on predestination, okay? We actually got a question on predestination, and, uh, and some of y'all may be tracking now, it's like, okay, so you, I, I'm sure you want to cover that in five to seven minutes because it's such a big deal. But uh, the point of it, and the reason it ties into this, and let's, we're going to go to a scripture, Romans 8, uh, 28 through 30, and the exact question, I thought it was a great question, I don't know who it out there, I'm really glad you did, is like, what is, is Bellwether's stance on predestination? Because I was at a Wednesday night service, someone wrote, and John Hugh read through Romans 8, and then he stopped at the point about predestination. So let me, uh, for that person, if he or she is here, let's, let's finish Romans 8, and then uh, we'll talk about this a little bit. Uh, Romans 8, and this ties to uh, what we know of as predestination, starting with verse 28 through verse 30. Paul writes, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I tie this into the question about how should we live because I believe, and I really couldn't live if I did not believe this, in, the, uh, in just the complete sovereignty of God. Sovereignty is a big word. What I mean by sovereignty is all-knowing, uh, all-powerful, always working in this world. And sometimes when I hear people, um, when I listen to them, whether it's on TV or maybe talk radio or read things, about, you know, how the world is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, for me, uh, it helps me live knowing that what is the ultimate truth is God is all-powerful. And I cling, I literally cling to Romans eight twenty-eight. We know that those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those about you personally, cling to Romans eight twenty-eight in your personal life, that as a Christian... Christ in your life, it's all going to work for good. It's all going to work for his plan. The bad things that happen, the past choices you regret, God is going to bring it to good. I love that verse. And I I, I literally try to just keep that at the forefront on my mind. But not just personally. Globally as well, or or nationally, or statewide, in 
the ways of the world or in elections or in wars. I cling to this too. That God is at work in this world. That God is sovereign. That God is all-powerful. That He is all-knowing. And that He is at work. I mean, salvation has occurred for me, for us who call ourselves Christians in Christ. He is resurrected. We can have faith in that and that we that death won't be the end, and He is coming again. We talked about that last week, the complete life of Jesus Christ. And what I want us to, to do and be and grow in, in, in that knowledge, that knowledge gives us faith. So when we watch TV and we see things that are horrible, things like ISIS, I mean, it's, it's crazy. God's at work. And I believe, too, you know, my mom always says this, you know, we were together as family at Thanksgiving. My grandmother, a devout Christian woman, she played the piano at church. Uh, she, she painted nativity scenes uh, with me when I was five years old, and she passed from cancer 51. And my mom always says, you know, I'm going to, first thing I'm going to ask the Lord is why did you take, and it was her mother-in-law, my grandmother, you know, away so soon. I told mom, I was like, mom, I love you, but I ain't going to ask that because I, I really believe that when your work is done, the Lord calls you home. And I have a peace about that. So whether it's, I mean, look, I, I want to I see 90. I don't want y'all to see 90. But if it is 42 or 64 or 90, you know, when your work is done, he calls you home. And it is a home. Cling to Romans 28. But he goes into the predestination. So for me, you know, I, Something I also cling to, because, you know, you can get into the predestination, it's definitely not a five to seven minute deal. But, you know, it's that, okay, well, we're the frozen chosen. I believe God's all-knowing, all-powerful, so I believe that he knows who will receive him, and he knows who won't, because if he's all-knowing and all-powerful, he knows this. But I also believe God calls everyone. My wife and I have had this conversation. She says, you know, I can't... You know, my wife say this, and I agree with her. It's like, I can't fully go there and that, you know, Jesus only died for a certain person because that would mean Jesus did not die for Linda's mom and sister. I can't go there. I also cling, this won't be up on screen, but it was a verse I wanted to add this morning, and it's in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to close with this passage. You can just listen or you can just write it down because... Uh, it also helps me, and I think it will help you in how to live. Listen to what Paul writes, Timothy, here. He says, First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions. Do we pray for our leaders? Do we pray for our president? That we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4, that's what I cling to. Who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth? For there is one God and there is one medi mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Say it again, for all. Which is the testimony given at the proper time. So I believe God wants all people to be saved. I believe that Jesus did not just die for a certain group, but for all. I also believe God knows who will receive him, who will not, because he is all-knowing. We can't grasp the mind of God, but he's all-knowing, all-powerful. 
So we can trust, go back to Romans 8, 28, that all things will work together for good. And as Christians, Romans 29, 8, 29, and 30 talk about God calls us and he calls you. So if Christ is in your heart, in your life, you have a purpose and you have a purpose in this place, in America, in Jackson. I also believe we have a purpose to the world to bring salvation to all nations. It's why we go to Honduras. It's why we will go to India. But God is sovereign. and We don't have to be afraid. And he has a plan. And he's all-powerful. And he made you. And he knows you. And he loves you. And I call you today to love him. I call you today to give your life to him. I call you today to really start believing in Romans 8, 28. I call you today to, when you see the world, let the world see Jesus in you. And let's walk with him and let him walk and live in us. Pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, that your word does give truth. Thank you for your church, not just Bellwether, but all these churches, Bible-believing gospel-centered churches that want to proclaim light. I pray for people who are struggling. I pray for people who are struggling here and elsewhere in our community, struggling with their life, a purpose in their life, struggling with things that have happened in the past, struggling with things that, that we see in the news. Give us great faith, a joyful faith, that we can know without a shadow of a doubt, you have placed us in a specific place in the here and now, and you can live through us. Pray we'd believe that. Pray we'd own that. And just give us great faith in your power, in your word, in your church, in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We'd love for you to join us one Sunday morning for worship. Our question next week is, can I be a Christian when I struggle with same-sex attraction? We hope you have a great week, and we hope to see you soon.